Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye talk from Cleveland.com. We're doing the 2024 NFL draft. This doesn't sound as crazy as you might think because, like, everybody else is doing it, and they don't know what the heck they're talking about. And this is the team we cover. So we're not projecting where some guy from Washington's going to go. We're projecting where the guys that we cover every day are going to be drafted a year from now. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We did this last year, and we were moderately successful. But I will say there is some hot, 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 stuff out there about how many picks Ohio State might have next year. The all-time record for number of picks in a draft is 15. The all-time record for number of first-round picks in a draft is 6. The Ohio State record in a single year is 13, but that's back when they had like a million rounds in the draft. Since they went to a seven-round draft, the record is 12 for Ohio State in 2016, and the record of first-rounders for Ohio State is 5. So those are the numbers you want to keep in mind. 15 is the all-time record in the modern draft. 12 is the Ohio State record. Six first-rounders, five Ohio State first-rounders. Could we possibly be talking about that next year with Ohio State? That's what we're going to get into. We have what Nathan thinks, what Steven thinks, what I think, and what the tech subscribers think. I will tell you, the temptation is to be hot a year early. Last year, when we did this exact pod a year early, overall number of picks we projected... I said 10, Nathan said 11, and Steven said 12, and they had six. So let's keep that in mind. The The things that did not happen last year, and I just wrote this down. So we were right about five of the guys getting picked. We all said C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones, and Zach Harrison would be picked this year. We were correct. None of us had Luke Whipler leaving school and getting picked. So... We all said Ronnie Hickman would get picked. He did not. We all said Teron Vincent would get picked. He did not. We all said Cam Brown would get picked. He did not. We all said Josh Proctor and Matt Jones would get picked. They are still at Ohio State. And then Nathan and Steven, you guys also said Tanner McAllister would get picked, and he did not. And then Steven left one more, which I think is a reasonable thing to do. Like, I'll say these dudes, and then also think, like, somebody else, which Luke Whipler would have fit. Right. So that's how Steven got to 12. So Nathan, like, it's not, 
but let me give let me give the whole thing here. CJ Stroud a year ago, we all said would be the number one pick. He was number two. And for a while we thought he was going to be number one. We were kind of on that. A year ago, we all thought we said Jackson Smith and Jigba. I said he'd be the seventh overall pick. Steven said 10. Nathan said 12. We're just throwing darts. Not a bad dart throw for a guy who was the number one receiver off the board and basically didn't play last year. Paris Johnson, Steven said 15, Nathan said 20, I said 23. We underestimated him. At this time a year ago, he had never played a snap of left tackle in a college football game, and we all said he'd go in the teens or 20s. It's like, nope, he's going to be the sixth pick. So, And then we we were a little hot on Ronnie Hickman. That didn't happen. Dewan Jones, we either had him back of the first round or early second round, but like, I was doing that the day, the day before the draft. So like that didn't really change. We just were all hot on Dewan all the way through. And then we had Zach Harrison as a second rounder. Ronnie Hickman, we thought would be higher than he was. Overall, Nathan, when you hear A, we were at 10, 11, 12 in total picks, and they had six. And two of those were from guys staying in school. And when you, th- you know, we, we said three or four first rounders, depending whether you thought Dewan would slip into the back. I don't know. We're kind of close on CJ Jackson and Paris a year out. How do you think we did of our projections a year ago? That's actually not bad. That's not too far out over our skis, especially when you factor in things like a couple of the guys that we thought were going to leave haven't left yet. And the thing that you can't project a year out a lot of times is how truly deep is a draft going to be at a particular position, which affects both where a guy goes and sometimes whether a guy even decides to come out that year. And the other thing that I don't think we had probably fully factored in yet, and it will probably continue to be somewhat of a factor for guys who would maybe have in the past come out, even with a fourth round grade or whatever is NIL, because now you can, there's incentive, further incentive to maybe stay for another year. And I don't know how much this applied to this past draft class. We may find out later the way guys talk about this, that it did, but you have further incentive to maybe stick around Ohio state for that extra year, because while you're trying to raise your draft stock, which may or may not happen, you're at least getting something for it. It's not a complete void of a financial year for you. All right. I think we could give ourselves partial credit. And I also think we can say, honestly, Steven, CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Paris Johnson, even though he hadn't played left tackle were kind of easy guys to project a year out. Uh, this exercise now, outside of Marv, I think is going to be more difficult because, and I think the proof is with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Stephen. Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't play, but he had shown who he was to such a degree in 2021 that it didn't matter that he barely played in 2022. It probably lowered his draft spot, you know, eight to 10 picks. But CJ helped himself, but it, I mean, CJ was CJ. Paris did what we thought he'd do since the minute he got on campus. We can pat ourselves on the back, but also those three were of a particular kind of projection that is not going to be the case, I think, with a lot of the guys now. Yeah, I think it would have been weird if you would have said one of us said Paris is going to be a second-round pick. Because even if he hadn't done anything, we'd be like, huh? What? It doesn't make any sense. As far as the – I can't believe we were that high, but I can't believe that we were that high. I think we were a year early on the defensive talent being there. For Ohio State. 
I think this year might be where we see it. And you, you talk, talk, talk about that with Ronnie Hickman, you know, Teron Vincent, and like the idea of what they may, may be able to be this year, building off of what they did the year before that. I just think we were a year early because for the second straight year in a row, I believe Ohio State only had one defensive player drafted. So we're still in that window of like, why is the defense bad? Well, the NFL is telling us why the defense is bad because guys aren't getting drafted. And that might change this year, but it is a lot more of like, there's more Paris Johnsons, more guys where we think they hit as juniors, but they got to see it a little bit more while also not all of them have the, I was the number one tackle in the country, a five-star recruit where it's like, as soon as I play the position, I'm going to be pretty good at it. Yeah, no, this is, we're going to be wrong. I'm excited oh, for a year to go by because yeah. th- these are going to be hard because there's, there's nobody who's like Paris, who's like, hasn't really done it, but you're. 97% sure they're going to do it. And yeah. CJ and Jackson had both done it. So I don't mean to do this. I don't mean to be a pod tease. It is not my intent to be a pod tease. That's not how we do it here. But I'm going to tease a little bit because we have a little bit of a tight window to finish this pod. And Marv deserves more discussion. So I'm going to tell you this. The Thursday pod is going to be, can Marvin Harrison be the overall number one pick? in the 2024 NFL draft. We are going to brush on Marvin Harrison right now, and we are going to come back and dive in in a day. So we will start there, though, for the record. I asked the tech subscribers about eight specific guys, first rounder or not, and then a couple other guys I said, give me the round. Will Marvin Harrison Jr. be a first round pick in 2024? 99% yes. And there are actually a handful of people out there who said no. I would like to find them. I'm going to go find them and ask you, did you hit the wrong button? Do you think he's staying in school? Do you think he's going to be abducted by aliens? Do you think he's going to go to the USFL? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Nathan, Steven, it's an obvious Marv's going to be a first round pick. We'll mark him down as a first round pick and we'll save the discussion. Is everybody okay with that? Yes. Yes. And even the abducted by aliens part, would it be an abduction? Because he already is an alien. In his own right, so wouldn't they just be coming back to get their leader? I think it's that should be retrieval. on Mars. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But somebody would still take the chance. It'd be, it'd be like how, like sometimes guys have to go in the Navy. David Robinson yeah. had to go in the Navy for a couple of years, and they'd be like, "Marv's on Mars." <laughs> yeah. Oh, his name is Mar. The mm-hmm. first three letters of his name are M A R. Or you could just be like Marvin the Martian. Yes. Oh, do we think we can get writes, that going? Writes that down. To NIL talk to Marv this summer. Around can you day imagine camps? if you had a thing where you had Marv in his Ohio State jersey, but instead of a helmet, he had on like the little Marvin the Martian like space bubble helmet? People talk would buy to that Marv shirt. this summer at day camps about Marvin. Are the you an alien? Okay. So then here's so we're going to run through these people that. Again, somebody put out a mock draft, I think, at eight Ohio State first-round picks, which I just think is like, congratulations on clickbait. But it's, I mean, like, people accuse every journalist of clickbait. Like, that's clickbait because it's just like, famous people. Okay, Emeka Abuka. Nathan, do you have Emeka as a first-round pick in 2024? I do. Steven, do you? Yeah, like pretty comfortably, too. So the texters are also pretty comfortable with this. 84% yes, 16% no. I did this for all the positions because you have to think positionally about this stuff. How many guys at that position go in the first round? In the last five years, it's what I did with everybody. How many people at that position went in the first round? 
four and a half a year, four and a half receivers a year. 23 in the last five years went in the first round. So now we're protecting two of those four and a half to be Ohio State guys. You have to think about other people out there. There are some big physical receivers who are going to be in this draft. Roma Dunze from Washington is a big physical guy that probably is going to be a first round pick. Johnny Wilson at Florida State is 6'7", 235. He's going to be the Darnell Washington of the receiver group. Now, Darnell Washington had some medicals and went lower as a tight end than expected. There are other good receivers out in the world, Nathan, yet it feels comfortable to think about a Mecca as a first round pick. I don't know if you guys gave him numbers. I did. I said 30. I'm not thinking about a Mecca in the same way I'm thinking about Garrett and Chris and even Jackson in the 20s who we thought could go in the teens. Maybe he'll go 11th. I don't know. But I had a more like back half of the first round, maybe the fourth receiver off the board. Nathan, how are you thinking about a Mecca right now? Yeah, I had him 25th, and it was sort of what you're alluding to a little bit here is how much will his slotness put a ceiling on his value. And that's still going to be the primary role that he performs for Ohio State. I think it's probably the role that he projects to the most in the NFL too. So will that put some kind of ceiling on his value? But I also think there is going to be enough production there. There's enough obvious skill there. And he is going to get a boost from the you know that there's going to be – you can already hear people on the draft coverage be like, this guy might be like pound for pound the best football player that's been taken so far or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, Which actually won't be true with Marvin Harrison. It's better, but you know what I'm saying? Like, They'll be looking for that stretch of like just all the – he has a lot of intangible things that he can do. He's very versatile. I think you're going to see – it would be kind of a perfect guy for a team that's drafting like 25th who's already a playoff team, already like championship adjacent, and now you can just plug someone with his skill set into the middle of your offense where there's maybe a little bit of void where it can be an upgrade for you. Um, and that could be a really uh, exciting place for him to get drafted, frankly, kind of like what happened with Jackson Smith and Jigba with the Seahawks. Steven, how did you think about Emeka? I'm not where you guys are at. I have him going 16. I think this is going to be a pretty deep wide receiver class, but we do see, regardless of whether the first receiver is taken, like Drake London was what tenth, or you know eighth. this past year yeah. eighth, eighth, or you know this past year Jackson's the first one off the board in the twenties. As soon as that first one gets taken off the board, the run starts typically. So like, Drake was eighth, but then you know Garrett goes, and then Chris goes, and then uh, Jameson Williams goes. I think in twenty the nineteen and twenty twenty drafts, you kind of saw a similar thing. Somebody takes somebody, and then it's off to the races. I'm excluding Mar from this because he's different. He's Calvin Johnson type of player, so he doesn't start the run. But I do think of the guys you just named, one of those guys around 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 can start the run. And I think he, he's got the Marvin shadow. So I don't think we sometimes talk about Emeka and just how good he actually is. And it's not his fault. He's just playing with a generational wide receiver. And I think that he's not necessarily pigeonholed in the slot the same way Jackson is. He just had to play in the slot this year because Jackson got hurt. Had Jackson not gotten hurt, we would have seen plenty of Z snaps from Emeka Ibuka this upcoming year. And I think this is a guy that what he does for two straight years at Ohio State mixed with what I think he might test out with at both the combine and at, on a pro day mixed with we're in the window now where like I think the NFL is just high on Ohio State wide receivers. That combination pushes him up a little bit higher than a guy who maybe should go 25, but he goes 16 because he's really good. 
and he's really good at Ohio State and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and then potentially Jackson Smith and Jigba this upcoming year. That's three straight guys who might be 1,000-yard receivers as rookies. So he gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of that. I do think he's in between Garrett and Jackson in terms of how much his slot stuff will stick to him because Garrett clearly didn't have it because he played in the slot for a whole year, then he played outside for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Jackson really did is really a slot guy, I think, not just in where he played, but in how he plays. And I think a Mecca can be an outside receiver. And so I think, I do think he'll be less pigeonholed than Jackson was, but maybe not quite, I, he's not going to have a whole year outside the way Garrett did. So mm-hmm. I, I think a Mecca falls like right in the midst there. And again, it just threw off the Jackson evaluation that they basically didn't play us last year. So I, I think, you know, we're all hopping the first round. i the only I, I, the only thing I could think would happen to be if like other other guys who are just bigger, right, and maybe faster. I, but I do think he'll run fast. Maybe just develop past him, and all of a sudden we go into the draft and we think he's going to be a first round pick, and then he's the third pick in the second round, kind of thing. Like I, I just think we all think he's pretty reasonable as a first round pick. All right, we're trying to go fast because there's a lot of guys to talk about, and we got to get to the numbers at the end that we're going to lock in. Quick break, then we're back on Buckeye Talk. All right, next guy. Travion Henderson. We're staying on the offensive side of the ball. Will Travion Henderson be a first-round pick in 2024? I say no. Nathan, what do you say about Travion? I also said no. Stephen, what do you have for Travion? I also said no. And I think it's it's much as about his the positional value. He's not Bijan, where you know that's a top ten pick, but also just like the injury history for a, a, a position where you already injuries happen a lot. So I have him in the third round. And part of this is thinking about J.K. Dobbins was like kind of late second round in a world where going into that draft, people thought maybe J.K. would go in the first round. And you think about, we just talked we just talked about this on a recent podcast, what J.K. Dobbins was in 2019, the kind of workhorse he was. He's a physical guy. It's, and that was the 50, he was a 55th pick in the draft. Like to what Steven said, last five years, six running backs in the first round in the last five years, so it's one a year. So like, do you think he's that? And it's like, who's the competition? Maybe there's not a ton of competition who will for sure be ahead of him. What is Blake Corum out of Michigan as an NFL prospect? I don't know. Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin as an NFL prospect. I don't know. You run through the list of the other good backs who are back this year. There's nobody who's head and shoulders above Trey. Maybe the way you would have said, well, Bijan's going to be Bijan. But I just don't know that anyone's going to be a first round pick at running back next year, Nathan. So I just think, again, we're going to reference this thing. Like someone who's putting Trevion Henderson in the first round after the season he just had and the way the NFL views running backs, you got to tell me like what you are zeroing in on to do that now. And I think he's going to be the best draft eligible back in the country. It's not enough because that doesn't mean you're going to be a first round pick. Like you've got to be special. And so Bijan was special this year. And then Jameer Gibbs and the way Alabama threw him the ball and the way they used him was kind of a very specific kind of thing. Tell me he can't tell me Travion catches 30 passes this year and looks like half a slot receiver. Okay. But they threw him to it as a freshman. They didn't throw it to him as a sophomore. Nathan, I don't know. I think it is a stretch for almost any running back to be projected as a first round pick. Cause I just, I don't think it's, I don't think you can responsibly do it with Trey right now, Nathan. Yeah. There's almost no position that to the same extent where it's all kind of feel right now. Like, like when a guy gets taken in the first round and you're like, Oh yeah, that 
Bijan Robinson, like, yeah, okay, we we saw that. Saquon Barkley, you're like, yeah, like, definitely. That's that's a high first-round pick, I think. Like, he could be that generational. It didn't really – hasn't quite turned out that way in the NFL. But what we saw of him coming out of college, you could you could talk yourself there. But for someone like Trevian Henderson, honestly, like, to say, oh, you're going to be a third-round pick, that's still actually a lot of praise to me. We can talk about this more when we get to Mayan Williams, but there are like really good teams that look at the third round and say, we can maybe get our starting running back there. Like that's kind of almost where that conversation starts for some teams, like late second, third round, fourth round. They, they look at that being a place where you can get really great value and get a lot of production out of that. I, I have questions about too with Trevon Henderson, partially because of what, what, Stephen was alluding to with the durability, but is he? Do they look at him as a three-down back in the NFL, or do you look at him as someone who's going to have to be paired with someone at the next level? Which, frankly, some sounds like something Trevon Henderson has kind of had on his horizon mm-hmm. the whole time. Like he's he know he has some savvy about this. He's been seeing this ever since he's in high school about how this is maybe going to develop for him, and I think he's probably fine with that. So I, I think third round is actually a very comfortable place for a guy like him to get taken and maybe then get into a timeshare that results in a long NFL career. Yeah, I had him third round. We thought about him maybe late second round because I could see him testing the same way JK would have tested in some of this stuff and you know ended up sneaking into the second round. I think he still might be the first running back taken off the board in the late second round, third round situation because there's not a B. John Robin, uh Bijan in this class. I'm glad you brought up Jameer Gibbs because yes, how Alabama used him, but also he ran a four three six. You know, I think his testing numbers are what catapulted him up with the Lions when they take him in the first round. And even then, a lot of us were shocked that Jameer Gibbs went that high. I don't think Travion's got great breakaway speed, but I think it's great breakaway speed for a running back. I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to go run a four three and light it up in a way that some team is going to reach for him in a way because they want to use him in a specific situation. And you just have to be careful with this stuff when you're projecting it. Chase Brown at Illinois was an awesome first-team All-Big Ten running back this year. He was third in the nation, averaged 137 rushing yards per game. He went in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. Kenny McIntosh at Georgia I thought was awesome this year. They threw him the ball. He ran it. He was their lead back, seventh round. So now we're not sitting here saying we think that Travion's going to go in the fifth round or the seventh round, but we're just telling you there are awesome running backs who do not get drafted very high. So if you're reading stuff about Trayvon as a first-round pick, it is not you, – you've just really got to understand what you're saying with that. So, Stephen, if you and I both say third, Nathan, did you have a round for, for Trayvon? I said third also. About? I said third also. Third also. Okay. So we're all in the third. Okay, let's move to Donovan Jackson. Similar conversation. Interior offensive line, six first-round picks in the last five years. Same as running back, six in the last five years. Now, listen, you go to different sites, and it's like – is a guy a guard or a tackle, whatever. We're really trying to talk about interior offensive linemen, guards here. Now, the one thing is Donovan Jackson was the highest ranked guard in his recruiting class. And just like doing a peripheral search of type in good guards, type in good guards in the Google machine. It's hard to find what you're looking for. I don't know that there's anybody who's for sure better than him. But if this is a guy who is not, if he's not going to play any tackle at Ohio State and he's not going to project as a tackle, and he's also probably not going to have center versatility, like he's a guard, you better tell me like what you think this is exactly that says he's going to be a first-round pick. So, Stephen, this is, again, it's not about that the player's not good. We're not having a, is this guy a good player conversation. We're doing an NFL mock draft projection 
What do you think about Donovan Jackson in 2024, Stephen? I said third round here, and the reason why is Donovan Jackson was the number one guard in his class, and he's looked like he's looked pretty good. I mean, he hasn't been he wasn't all American this past year, but I thought he had a pretty decent year for a second year guy in the program. You know who else was the number one guard in their class and a two time All American? Wyatt Davis, and he was a third round pick. It's just if you're not great comparison. If you're not Quentin Nelson, if you're not potentially generational at some of these positions, it's hard for an organization to make it make sense why they're taking you on day one. I I think Ohio State just might get active in the second and third rounds of, of next year's draft. And it's because of guys like this and Travion Henderson, who were five stars, maybe lived up to that billing, but they don't play positions where being a five-star guard or being a five-star running back doesn't always equate to first-round draft pick the same way five-star quarterback or wide receiver or edge rusher corner does. So, Stephen, you have him in the third round. I have him in the second round next year. Nathan, what do you oh, have for Donovan Jackson? Yeah, I, I also had a second round on him. I think right now there it's fair to have uh, real questions about him as a pass blocker. That was something he was not great at last year. And now you look at what this offensive line is going to be this coming year, where they still have questions at left tackle. You're going to have a first-year starter at center, whether it's Hensman or Vic Cutler gets things together and he somehow overtakes him. He still hasn't really started there either and certainly hasn't done it in the Big Ten. So I'm just wondering if that exposes him a little bit more. I think he's going to have questions to answer there. This is a big summer of development for him because I think all the tools are there to have an All-American season. But I think as Wyatt Davis showed, All-America on its own, especially that sort of very compromised 2020 version of All-America, no offense to him or Sean Wade, um, doesn't equate to your NFL draft status. All right, so we got two second rounders and a third rounder. Donovan Jackson for the tech subscribers, 65% no on the first round, 35% yes. And I don't remember, maybe I didn't say it. Trevion Henderson was 89% no for the tech subscribers, 12% yes. So that's pretty significantly, you know, three times as much as many people are saying yes on Donovan Jackson as they said on Trevion Henderson. So I asked specifically first round, I asked about four guys on offense and I asked about four guys on defense. So now let's go to the defensive guys that I asked the texters about. And the first one up is Mike Hall. At defensive tackle, again, we have to talk about the range. We have to talk about your position here. Defensive tackle, 14 first-round picks in the last five years. So that's like three a year. Okay, They actually had kind of a lot this year. I think they might have been like five this year. Nathan, what do you have for Mike Hall as a draft projection for next year? I obviously have Mike Hall as a first-round projection for next year. (laughs) As the guy who drove the bus last year. Trying to drive the bus right into uh, Detroit for the for the draft. Uh, and, and for me, it was I, – I, I kind of – I tried to talk myself out of it for a long time. And then it simply came down to me as this is a guy – there's guys in the NFL from Ohio State's offensive line from the last couple of years who described him as unblockable at one point. And those kind of things, I think, resonate when I'm trying to decide who would be a first-round talent and who might – be an NFL player, but just farther down the line. And he seems like someone, we saw flashes of it. There's another guy we haven't talked about yet, but if you were to compare him to JT Tuimaloao and their actual on-field impact last year, which one flashed like more NFL moments last year 
across a broader spectrum of games, I think you could argue it was my call before the injuries happened and, and things got a little bit behind on him. So it's a little bit of a stretch. I have him at like around 20th. So it's a little bit of a stretch, maybe. But I also think that if you got a fully healthy year out of him and could take what we saw from him early last year, extrapolate it over a full season, there would be even more buzz about him right now than there already is. So we have a first round for Nathan. Steven, what do you have for my call? I put him in the second round, and I used JT. JT plays edge rusher, so that was we'll have that conversation when we have it. I think the positional value of defensive tackle has clearly been going up over the last couple of years, but it's been with the freaks. You look at uh, J- Jordan Davis was a freak. Jalen Carter's a freak. I don't. It, Mike Hall has freakish tendencies, but I don't know if I would make call him a freak the same way you would call some of these other first round defensive tackles a freak in that same way. And I think him and JT are pretty similar in terms of it flashed, but it was never consistent. Now for different reasons, but it flashed and it was never consistent. I think he could, I think he has first round talent, but he's had second round production with that talent. And I had a couple of guys where I, even put next to them in my notes, I'm happy to be wrong here, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be wrong. He's one of those guys where I feel like somebody might get very good value for him at like 38 or 42 because they waited a little bit because he flashed it at times, this crazy upside, but just injuries and how they rotate the defensive tackle sometimes, he never really got to show it in a consistent way. So I, th- I think you guys are out of your skis a little bit here. He's played 301 college snaps on defense. In two years. So th- there is not, and it's not his fault because he had some injuries this year and they were sort of holding back on his snaps a little bit. But this is a this is a big projection. And one of the things, like JT has just played a ton more college football than my call it has. And so, and and what we were talking about, like Paris a year ago, it's like, all right, well, we're going to project some positions ever played. It's like, yeah, but I mean, come on. I'm, I, I don't think my call is that kind of comparison. Right with Paris Johnson. That's no that's no snub of my call. So I have my call in the third round here. And he's 6'2, 285, listed as a, at Ohio State. I I wonder like what exactly he's gonna be when NFL teams look at him. Because like Mozzie Smith from Michigan just went in the first round. Mozzie Smith weighed at 323 at the combine. So that's 40 pounds heavier than my call. So okay. Is my call? I don't think he's going to be 320 at the combine. So, like your super quick, disruptive pass rusher from the inside, like you've you've really got to thread that needle. Then, if you're not like taking up a bunch of space, and again, you're not going to be Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter, but like he's not Mozzie Smith either. So, I uh, I'm I think there's a lot of work to be done here based on just not playing a full college year. Yeah. Now at his position, the way they rotate defensive tackles, he's never going to play 700 snaps in the season. So I get that, but, but there is a jump and Nathan, you know that and I respect the busness, you know, once you buy a bus, you don't, you mm-hmm. didn't lease a bus. You didn't lease a bus. You didn't rent a bus. You bought the bus. I respect it. You got the bus parked out front. Your wife is like, can we just take Bennett for a nice walk in the stroller? The bus is blocking the driveway. And Nathan's like, yeah, but man, wait till the fall. Man, I was driving this bus around all last fall. People were yelling. I would drive down the street. It's Nathan in the Mike Hall bus, right? Proud of your bus. But even you, Nathan, would acknowledge there's some there's some work to be done to make all of this come true for Mike Hall. Yeah, certainly. Like I said, it's, it's a stretch. But I, I think the bus was justified 
by what we saw from him when he was healthy. And again, I, I think it, it resonates with me the way they talk about him. I mean, they, they talk about him the way they don't necessarily talk about everybody. They don't talk about JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer the same way they talk about Mike Hall. Like, they, they kind of don't yet. They haven't yet, I don't think. So uh, not that they don't talk about those guys as being good players that they respect and are going to do good things, but there's a little bit else there. And you're, 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 you're right to point out what they're saying. What, what, you're right to point out about the, the size differential. But we've seen smaller guys not just like work, but kind of thrive at defensive tackle in the NFL in that role. If, if you're the right kind of player, and I think you're right, like you do have to thread that needle, but that is his needle is to be a like go to the NFL, maybe be a, a three tech, a penetrating pass rush kind of guy off the inside. That would be his needle. Okay. My call. We got a one, a two, and a three out of my call. Let's go to Denzel Burke before we get to the edge guys. Denzel Burke at cornerback. And did I not say it? My call from the tech subscribers, 58% no, 42% yes. So 42% yes for a first round pick is pretty good. Denzel Burke from the Texters, 63% no, 37% yes. So the Texters are slightly more bullish on a first round idea for my call than they are Denzel Burke. Steven Means, where do you have Denzel Burke getting drafted next year? I'm in. First rounder. I'm in on it. I like what we've seen and heard this spring. Um, I think he's back on trajectory, and I, I'm really wondering how fast he is because sometimes that can help. Because that's uh, Witherspoon guy, but like, he was super fast. Plus, he was very good for Illinois last year, and it ended up being with him being the number five pick in the draft. I don't think Denzel Burke's going to be that, but I do think this is a guy who can sneak in at like 28 if he's anything like what we've seen and heard. Plus, maybe a step up from that once they start playing good teams this year. And then he just tests very, very well. I'm, I'm in. First round pick for Denzel Burke. Nathan Baird, what do you have for Denzel? So it's funny you mentioned about you're always hot a year ahead. And I think you can sometimes be especially hot right after the spring. And yep. because you just saw all of these, they're playing, practicing against themselves for the most part. Everybody's talking good things, especially when a guy's coming off an injury, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I'm also jumping right into the fire. Because <laughs> I'm, hey. I said yes. I had him as a first rounder too, and I would not have said it before the spring. I would not have projected him as a first rounder. And among, I, I wouldn't call myself a Denzel Burke critic. I would probably call myself a Denzel Burke truther a little bit, as far as what his performance so far has been um, against the best cornerbacks in college football. I thought it's it's always been a level below that. But when you go back and compare. Um, things like PFF grades to guys like Devin Witherspoon and what they were doing earlier in their career, it's kind of same range. It's just a matter of whether the breakthrough comes that that sets you apart. And we just started this. You saw some things this spring, both from a physical standpoint, I thought with Burke, and then just from the confidence that he was playing with. I think he's someone who is is very motivated. And the final piece is we talk about positional um, approach in the draft. Like, I sometimes think they would just, like, take only quarterbacks and cornerbacks in the first round. <laughs> like, it, like the, the cornerbacks, if there were a year, like you could see six, seven quarterbacks taken in a year, potentially. Um, it's, a, it's a real position to need across the NFL. And uh, if a guy shows any kind of, you know, next level play there, they really rise. So I, I think there's a good chance that he could put together the kind of season that would put him at the bottom of the first round. 
So did you give him a pick, Nathan, in the first round? Uh, like 26. Okay. So we got a 26 and a 28. Uh, so I am not there. I'm in the second round, but but I'm not there. And I can tell you like the kind of guy where I would have been there. Kalen King at Penn State last year among Big Ten corners. Devin Witherspoon, who was the fifth pick in the draft, had the highest PFF grade among Big Ten corners. Kalen King was second. Kalen King, who at Penn State was opposite Joey Porter and was maybe better than Joey Porter and is going to be back. Like that to me is the guy that if I'm saying, hey, what was like, give me like a sophomore corner that you would project as a first rounder a year from now. That's what that would look like to me. I'm not saying that Denzel Burke can't get there. I'm just not going to go there now. And I, I do just think there are going to be some other guys, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama, you know, like there's like, there are some other guys. It's not like Denzel Burke's the for sure. Number one corner in the country to your point, Nathan, 20 first round picks at corner in the last five years. So about four a year, right? You think about this draft, right? I think it's, it's around that number. So I, I don't think it's impossible, but I'm not I'm not going to quite get all the way there. Now, the league has overdrafted Ohio State corners. Let's just be honest. And it's not just Damon Arnett. They overdrafted Eli Apple. They overdrafted Garyon Conley. Like those guys, listen. So I would say, well, I don't think, I, I can't think about Denzel Burke like I think about Jeff Okuda or Denzel Ward or Marshawn Lattimore and what they did at Ohio State. But can I think about, like I think about Garyon Conley or Eli Apple? Or Damon Arnett? Yeah. It's like, well, what are those guys? They're first-round picks. Yeah. So so maybe there's not a reason. There is certainly a world where if you're Ohio State's number one corner and you're pretty darn good, Stephen, that's kind of like a first-round package. They just haven't had anybody like that for a couple, like, since Okuda, really. You know, it's like... And then you get into some of those other yeah. guys, like Duran Gant, Grant was really good, and Kendall Sheffield. They're good players. They're not first-round guys. But we know what that – there's like a second tier of first-round corners from Ohio State. So you don't have to ask Denzel Burke to be Marshawn Lattimore to envision how this works, Stephen. And with what you guys are talking about in the 20s, that's what you're talking about. And there's none of that is far-fetched. I think I might even go a step further and say that tier you name is probably the third tier. They just so happen because in both of those situations, not Eli Apple so much, but with Garyon Conley and Damon Arnett, they also played with the first tier guy, which raised the how they were viewed. I think if I think there's a world that Denzel Burke can live in where it's not Jeff Okuda, Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, Denzel Ward, but it's also not Damon Arnett, Garyon Conley, Eli Apple. It's like a step between those two. Like he's the the dividing thing between those two guys. I think that player at Ohio State is a first-round pick, and I think that's what he would have to be to be a first-round pick because those other guys are also working off their reputation at that point, so maybe that pushed him up. That reputation doesn't really exist right now, especially since the last guy who was the dude, Jeff Okuda, just hasn't worked out in the NFL. So, But I've, I think if Denzel Burke is a step below the guys that when we do Mount Rushmore's, we talk about those guys, but he's a step above the other guys who had no business being first-round picks – that guy slides in the 20s. We just have to remember that we are talking, this is like the Denzel Burke upside. And we did not see it all of last year. We've talked about it, injury issues. You can envision why he gets more of the upside. 
It's just a comparison among Big Ten cornerbacks, just the 14 Big Ten teams. Big Ten cornerbacks last year who played at least 20% of their team's snaps, his PFF grade was 28th in the league. Kalen Kings was second behind the guy who was the number five pick in the draft. So it's, again, you've got to see like the the top end version of it, which we're all acknowledging. And there's a belief that that's what we'll see. We're going to see the top end version of Denzel Burke for putting on film a lot for the league to really like. Certainly possible. I have him in the second round, which frankly is not much different than you guys having him in the 20s in the first round. All right, let's move to the edge. JT Tuimoloau, Nathan. Do you have him as a first-round pick? I do have him as a first-round pick. There was something that was said in in I mentioned it before. Somebody I talked to, and they they threw out this old scouting adage: if you can do it once, you can do it again. And I'm I'm sort of imagining JT Tuimoloau just sort of um, reliving that Penn State game for eight months, and until he gets to this season and and rep, trying and being able to replicate it more often this coming season. I think. I'm talking myself into this being a potentially very special season for JT Tuomaloa. So do you have a number on him, Nathan? Eight. Oh, wow. That is special. All right, Steven, where do you have JT? Nathan read my notes. I had him at nine. I, I agree. I think it just might click for him. Um, it, it was there a lot of times this year. And then when it finally got home, the Penn State game happened. I, I think it just... I think he gets home a little bit more and I th- because I think he's going to be aided by a better secondary that's going to allow him that extra 0.2 seconds he needs to get some of these sacks off. But even on top of that, apparently he can also get interceptions. So, I mean, you add that in. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think he – I won't be shocked if he's the second edge rusher taken off the board behind maybe um, Dallas Turner. Okay, I'm I'm not as hot as you guys here. Jared Verse from Florida State, who probably should have come out in this draft and didn't, I think is going to be a top 10 pick. Um, So I don't think, to me, if you're top 10, I I mean, I guess you're not quite. You're not quite young Bosa Bosa, because that's 2-2-3. So you guys aren't saying he'll be a top three pick. But this, this is like the next, this is like the bottom of that tier, right? And I think he slides more into somewhere in between like maybe he's his own tier, that he's not that tier, but he's above the Taekwon Lewis, Zach Harrison, Sam Hubbard, kind of like, you know, that that second, third round tier, that he's like in the Cam Hayward tier, who I've made that comparison multiple times. Cam Hayward was a very good college football player, was the number 31 overall pick in the draft. So, and then is, I, I really, he's, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's an NFL Hall of Famer. Pro Football Hall of Famer. Cam Hayward is an unbelievable NFL player. But it's to talk about what you are when they think of you coming out of college. So is is JT like that, like top 10 pick explosive game wrecker? I'm short of that. So I have him 25th. Again, like, oh, Doug thinks you guys are idiots. He has he has them going sixteen picks lower. Well, like I mean, what are we doing here? Right? It's the same general idea, no. but I'm not quite as hot, Nathan, as you guys are. No, that's an important distinction. I mean, that's half the first round difference mm-hmm. between where we have them, where you have them. That's an important distinction to make. And totally get where you're coming from. I think my two counters would be on that whole defense last year. Other than what Mike Hall would occasionally do. I mean, the only things that really looked like first round NFL defensive end or defensive play 
were what JT Tumaloa did against Penn State and mm-hmm. then a couple other brief flashes, in my opinion. And I think that carries something that it, it so but we're all saying he's in the first round. I think the other thing though that had me that convinced me to push him up as far as I did was thinking of what he is as an all-around athlete, how that is going to test. I, I think we, we need to be careful that we don't put too much on that because all these guys are good athletes. They're all going to, you know, if, if it was a combine of the three of us and him, he would destroy the combine. Um, but when you start talking about um, his – the fact that he was the, the level of basketball athlete he was, I think there are some things there that are going to help him in a combine situation that could – convince coax some team to push him even farther up because those numbers are going to be really impressive and he's going to he's going to interview very well chop robinson at penn state is a guy who i think as an edge guy could be a first round pick a year from now again we're just looking for some comparisons pff grades among big 10 edge rushers a year ago by total number of pressures zach harrison was 10th jt tuimoloa was was 12th in the big 10 and Nathan, I know you've talked about sack rate and that maybe Ohio State guys don't get as many pass rush snaps and that kind of thing. Just a quick comparison. Chop Robinson from Penn State, according to PFF, had 267 pass rush snaps and he had 34 hurries. JT Tuimolo had 264 pass rush snaps. So it's basically the same number. He had 17 hurries. So Chop Robinson had twice as many hurries, same number of pass rush snaps. There's just other good guys out there. So will JT like rise above and be clear? I think he'll be in the mix, but I don't know that he'll be like, Hey, we're talking about like the first or second edge rush guy off the board. I'm just, I'm just a little bit shy of that. The fans, the the tech subscribers, 92% first round for JT, 92% first round for JT. We'll go to the other edge guy. I have Jack Sawyer staying in school. Steven, what did you have for Jack Sawyer? Yeah, Adam Sand in school. Um, he would need to really march on Lattimore this thing just because they decided to jack him up last year. <laughs> no pun intended. He like he would need a ten sack year this year to come out at this point. I think he is. Just, I think he can still be a first round draft pick. I just think he needs two years unless he does something exceptionally crazy this year to show he's a first round draft pick, which is fine. We've seen guys come back for year four and still end up being first round draft picks, especially at that position. Nathan, what'd you have for Jack Sawyer? No, I'm I'm with you guys. And it to me it came down to um if I couldn't talk myself into him for sure being a second round pick, then why would he come out? Like because mm-hmm. kind of the thing I was alluding to before, he'll still do very well from an NIL standpoint while he's finishing his, his Ohio State career. And I think with his skill set and when he is physically it's it's it is there but why i think he and he could get there maybe with another year i think there's something there but i think he might need that extra year to get there we could be very wrong about this if he really freaks up because i've always been impressed with him physically the wingspan is is there i think um and i somebody else who could maybe do well in in a combine situation and maybe by getting him out of the jack and letting him just be hand in the dirt guy again that that unleashes the thing that we've been waiting for. You know, he'll, he'll see, it, it, you can certainly see a third year transformation uh, or third year like liftoff coming for him. That wouldn't shock any of us, I don't think. But I think this is the prudent way to look at it right now. 
All right, so we all have him back. I did not give that as an option for the tech subscribers, to be fair. 82% no, 18% yes on first round pick. So those were the eight for the tech subscribers that I gave them. Say, all I said was first round, yes or no. Here are the final results on that. These are the yes percents. Marvin Harrison, 99%. JT Tuamolowau, 92%. Emeka Abuka, 84%. And those were the only three guys over 50%. Mike Hall, 42%. Denzel Burke, 37%. Donovan Jackson, 35%. Jack Sawyer, 18%. Travion Henderson, 12%. So... That's three guys over the 50% threshold. But then I did ask the tech subscribers, how many first round picks do you think Ohio State will have? Three or four, one. Four got 27%. Three got 25%. So that's 52% of the people are checking in at either three or four first round picks. Five first round picks got 19%. Six first round picks got 12%. Two first-round picks got 9%, breaking the NFL record by having seven first-round picks. That got 4%. Eight or more got 2%. So only 6% of the people are dancing in this record-breaking world for an Ohio State first-round draft a year from now. Officially, for me, I have three. So I have Marvin, Ameka, and JT. There's a couple of the guys that we haven't talked about, Nathan, that maybe you have in the first round. But if not, you would be at four adding Denzel Burke. No, you would be at five. No, you'd five. be at four. Nope, no, you'd five. be at five. No, you'd be nope. at four. No, you'd be at five. Hot. Would you like me to tell five. you? Five. Oh, you'd be at five. It's, yeah, why don't you run it down? It's five. Harrison, Tuamaloau, Hall, Ibuka, Burke. And Steven, you are at what? I'll just say what rather than try to guess wrong <laughs> nine times. I have four that we've talked about in a fifth one that given off how you sent stuff out to the textures, um, that is also there. Julian, as well. Julian Fleming. So Julian Fleming, <laughs> no, unlike Brian Hartline, who oh. was helping to having the three first round receivers. Who's your fifth? McCord. Okay. All right. So that's five for each of you and three for me. Let's have the common cord conversation right now. I did ask the tech subscribers what they thought would happen with Kyle McCord. I said, I gave them rounds one through seven, and I gave them stay at Ohio State for 2024. Kyle McCord, 58% said stay at Ohio State. 20% said round one, 12% round two. And that's most of it. There's like another 10% that's some scattered later round stuff. Steven, what's your thinking about Kyle McCord first round pick? We've seen Ohio State do it, and I know the the combatants there is you need a, there's a threshold of starts teams want to have, and that we've seen it time and time again. Where, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or Mac Jones, where they have a one year, and then their first year was decent at best, but then they start sliding down because you know, there's proof in the pudding there. But I think the reputation Ohio State has, but also, I mean, quarterbacks a valuable pick, and I think uh, Caleb Williams is clearly QB one. Next year, I think Drake May's probably clearly QB2 where things stand right now. And then I think there's like a list of names for who might be the third quarterback. 
Because like Quinn it's Ewers, list. it's a, a big, big list. Like because Quinn Ewers hasn't necessarily been the perfectly rated dude yet. And then you can keep uh, JJ McCarthy might throw his name into that hat, and we can Michael keep going. Penix at Washington. Michael Penix. Michael Penix at Washington is in that licks licks. Uh, I don't maybe think Bo Nix at Oregon. Right. There's a it, there's it, a lot of names. There's it's a lot, a lot of, of names, and I don't know if any of those. I don't know. Jordan Travis at Florida State. Jaden Daniels at LSU. Yep. There's, there's there's a lot. The, people have been writing about how a lot of got a lot of quarterbacks stayed in college yeah. this year, maybe because of NIL. But a lot of guys stayed in college who might have come out and bid min round picks this year. Yep. And so I think the depth of this current quarterback class that just got drafted is not great. But I think there are some guys. Go watch Jordan Travis play in the Florida State spring mm-hmm. game. That guy is legit. There are some dudes out there. It doesn't mean the comic cord can't break through, but I think your point of beyond it's hard with Michael Penix because Michael Penix threw for 370 yards a game last year. And it's like, I don't know how good is it? I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot of freaking yards. He did have 2000 yard receivers. Like he's and like, he's, I don't know. Like, is it impossible for Kyle McCord to become a better draft prospect than Michael Penix? No, it's not impossible, but let's not, like, let's not sleep on how good Michael Pence is either. So continue. Continue your point but, about Kyle. Yeah, McCord. yeah, yeah. I, I think you're, you're actually helping me make my point because all those guys are in the same hat to me after you get past those first two. And anybody could be number three by the time we get to February. And then anybody can be number three post-combine. Anybody can be number three post-pro days. And I think Kyle McCord might be just as talented or even more talented than those guys. He just hasn't had the chance to show it, and I won't be shocked if he does. And also, it's Nathan, like with what? him, it's a you're a first round pick, or you're coming back. So there wasn't going to be a situation where I picked Kyle mm. McCord to be a second round pick because that doesn't make any sense. This is Ohio State we're talking about. Well, I mean, you you think you're going to be a first round pick, or you're coming back. Luke Whipler thought he was going to be a day two pick. That's fair. Back. So like, you could you could come out and then I mean, Will Levis thought he was going to be a first round pick, right? So that's fair. You know, it's but but you but the idea of he's not coming out to go in the fourth round. Yeah. Right. He's not coming out. To- Sean Clifford, by the way, Sean Clifford uh-huh, yeah. got drafted in the fifth round. So did Penn State lose? Perhaps- Technically, can we say Penn State actually lost in the Will Levis, Sean Clifford thing? If Sean Clifford wasn't a first rounder and they're not that far off. I don't know. <laughs> like, was it really no, that bad? Of, was it that, that big State's of a miss? Offense? Yeah. It was was a miss by the Packers to take Sean Clifford in the fifth round is what the miss was. No offense to Sean Clifford, who was like a very good college quarterback, like a good, solid college quarterback. But anyway, Nathan, how did you think about Kyle McCord? Similar to what I think you probably thought of him. We'll see. Uh, But the opposite of what Steven did. I mean, I, I, well, actually, I shouldn't say the opposite. I think I thought of him very much the same question as Steven did, where it's like, well, do you think he's guaranteed to go in the first round? And if not, you should probably pick what I did, which is I think he comes back to Ohio State for a second year as a starter. Uh, there, there's some debate out there now about what that those starts, what they actually correlate to. I've seen studies that say, well, it really only correlates to like completion percentage at the NFL level. But we've seen enough anecdotal evidence to say that the more starts you get, you're giving yourself a better foundation for the start of your NFL career. And he has one so far. He could have 16 by the end of this season. Yeah. And if he leads Ohio State to, an, uh, an NF, to a, a national championship or deep into the playoffs, uh, well, I guess it'd just be into the playoffs. You don't really go deep into the playoffs. And, and has a Heisman uh, candidate-like campaign, then there, that, this conversation is going to be very real about whether he should come out. But 
as of right now, he hasn't even won the job for sure. And uh, that alone gives me uh, enough pause to stamp him as being like ready for the NFL right now. I think he might just need that second season as Devin Brown would, as CJ Stroud did to really be NFL ready. I don't, you know, CJ Stroud was a Heisman candidate after that first year. If he'd been eligible to go to the NFL, where would he have gone at that point? Or did it help him a lot to come back and show some of the things he did as a, as a second year player, a second year starter. So uh, interesting question to ask, I suppose, but ultimately I, I kept him um, at Ohio state for the 2024 season. Only three first round quarterbacks in this most recent draft, and they were in the mm-hmm. top four picks. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I don't think Kyle McCord is any of those three. And in the Kyle McCord discussion, I don't know. Do we – I think – well, no, right? Because Rabinowitz, I asked – someone asked about the extraordinary traits of the quarterbacks. Ryan Day's favorite thing. You look for an extraordinary trait in the quarterback. And I think – did I ask, have you seen the extraordinary traits yet? But I didn't ask, what are they? And then Rabinowitz was like, well, what are they? And I was like, well, he's not going to answer that question. He's like, I'm not going to answer that question. It's like, that's why I didn't ask it, Bill. God, I'm not new to this. But I, I, don't know, I don't know what his extraordinary trait is yet. Right. I, I think we're all still looking for that. I think that's probably influencing how we would answer a, a question like this. I, I, it was also interesting this year. I, I did see there were three in the top four and then no more drafted in the first round, which is like the first time that's ever happened where you've had quarterbacks go that high, or at least that many quarterbacks go that high and it didn't pull anybody else up into the first round. I thought that was kind of unique. And I wanted to come back to this before you give your answer. I will say, I think at the end of this season, Kyle McCord will be considered a better pro prospect than Michael Penix. Okay. I'm low on Michael Penix. So I have him coming back. I have him coming back. I didn't that was an easy easy choice for me, just where things stand right now. You, there's just – listen, Aiden O'Connell was like a really good, productive college quarterback. He was a fourth-round pick. Hendon Hooker was a really good program-raising quarterback. He was a third-round pick. Now, he's old, and Kyle McCord wouldn't be that old, right? Max Duggan led his team to the national championship game at TCU. He was a seventh-round pick. Stetson Bennett, who – Looked pretty stinking good in college, man. Was a fourth round pick. And that was even like a little high. I think people were surprised maybe he went that high. So I'm just saying like until the extraordinary trait becomes clear, whether it's brain, arm, legs, release, whatever, uh, it's hard for me to get there. I'm not saying Kyle McCord won't show it, but I don't know what it is yet. So I can't go there yet. And I just think it might take him two years to show it which means come back and be the starting quarterback in 2024, Stephen. Yeah, I, I was like, like I said, I was right on the edge there. It's not like I'm – Kyle McCord is going to be the number seven pick in the draft. I think it would be later in the – some of this might be when do we – because there's when they see – there's when they see it in recruiting because he wouldn't be here if they didn't think he had a special trait. It's then right. when do they see it actually like come into fruition and then when do we see it? Because we're not going to see it until a game. If we see it week one – against Indiana, maybe you start to think about it. Because that was the thing with Dwayne. You saw it week one. Okay, Dwayne's got that. And he's going to do that for 50, or anywhere from 12 to 15 games. That's what he's doing. With CJ, we didn't see it until Rutgers. And so it right. kind of, you know, so it's, when do we see it? And that might change. how. And, it's, and even if Devin Brown was the job, it's the same thing there. It's the quicker we see it as the general public, as the media, the Earlier, you can bring yourself around the idea that maybe he might not be here that long. I want to say something, though, on on in Stephen's behalf here, and that is guys like like so like Michael Penix last year was like a 
150s QB rating and an eight point something yards per attempt. Aiden O'Connell was like 130s and seven yards per attempt. Go back and look every single year under Ryan Day. Like, I think the lowest quarterback rating he's had going back to Haskins is like 174 for the starter. And the lowest yards per attempt is like 9.1, 9.2. Like, there, it's always a tier above in like the actual performance stats of these quarterbacks. And there's a part of me that wonders whatever Common Core does as far as his development and, and continues to do this summer if he's the starter on opening day, he can, he's going to have a statistical case at the end of this year that is superior to those kind of players that we're talking about. But we had a conversation. There were people who had conversations with CJ Stroud about like, how much is it the receivers? So I, like if that happened to CJ yeah. Stroud, I think when your receivers are Marvin Harrison and Emeka, Emeka Buka and Julian Fleming and Cade Sturber sure. tight end, I think it might be hard for him to break through in the evaluation because people aren't going to be sure. And then you lose all those guys. You lose your top five skill guys. And you come back in 2024 and it's you. And now you might be in contention to be the number one pick. Let's do this because Steven has to scoot. Total number of picks. Total number of draft picks that we are predicting for the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2024. The overall record is 15. Ohio State's record is 12. Steven, what is your total number? I have 15. With and a lot of that is just the sheer number of guys who are going to be in the draft with a pretty active day two. Nathan, what's your number? I have fourteen, pretty active day three. I also have fourteen. There are a lot of guys that we haven't talked about yet that we're going to talk about in a second. I asked the texters. Twelve was the winning vote, but it was very close. Twelve. This is going to be confusing. Twelve got sixteen percent. Fourteen and fifteen. Both got 14%. 13 got 13%. That is super confusing. So anyway, 12, 13, 14, 15 got 57% of the vote. So between 12 and 15, 15 would tie the NFL record. 10% of the people said set the NFL record. I'm going to say, let's see, 16 or, and 17 or more were two choices. I gave 12% of the people said that. So 12% of, of all the voters said Ohio State will set a record next year for the number of overall draft picks. So we're in that range. And just when you start going through all the guys, Stephen, that's the point. Like, there's a lot of possibilities here. And this guy stays in school. And this guy mm-hmm. gets hurt. And this guy has an off year. But this guy's better than expected. This guy... You know, like a guy like Jordan Hancock all of a sudden is on the Marshawn mm-hmm. Lattimore plan and is one year and out. There are like multiple ways to get to 14 or 15, which is why we're all there. Uh, Jordan Hancock to me feels very Jack Sawyerish, where it's like maybe he's a dude this year and goes, but also I could see him being a first round pick who just needed four years because of circumstance. But for the, I don't have this year. I think last year I had a like, I penciled in a, I don't know, this dude just might be good and I didn't put a name on it. I don't have that this year, and I was still able to get on that just because there's so many fourth- and third-year guys who are eligible where it just makes sense for them to get drafted. Yeah. Okay, Steven has to go. When we come back, Nathan and I will run through a couple other guys, drop some draft rounds on some guys like Tommy Eichenberg and Lathan Ransom and guys like that. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, just Nathan and Doug. There are other guys... Nathan, that I did ask the tech subscribers about. But this one I did say, like, give me some rounds because I thought it was a little more interesting because they're probably not first-round picks. Tommy Eichenberg. I said, what round will Tommy Eichenberg be drafted in? 
the round that won for Tommy Eichenberg with 48%, which was a big win, was round three. Round two got 25%. Round four got 16%. So that's like basically 90% of the people who think he's going to be off the board before the start of round five. How did you evaluate Tommy Eichenberg, Nathan? I'm a little uh, linked in with the texters this year on my hotness. I have him in the third round. So I had him in the fifth, but I don't just want to compare white linebackers in the Big Ten. I thought Jack Campbell going in the first round. Jack Campbell, I think, is more athletic than Tommy Eichenberg, but he's he's a guy at the heart of a defense, right? He's not um, a guy, like he's sort of like a, He's just a regular linebacker. He's not getting after the the quarterback. He's not, you know, he's not Andy Katzenmoyer with a big neck roll. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have, you know, 200 tackles. It's like, well, what is that guy? It's like, he's a good linebacker. Now I do think Jack Campbell is probably sideline to sideline. Little, I, I would imagine he would test better at the combine, be more athletic than Tommy Eichenberg. But I do think Tommy Eichenberg is, is in the end, pretty darn athletic as well. I had him in round five. Because it just, it's a little bit of a Ronnie Hickman discussion to me. And like a year ago, when we were thinking about Ronnie Hickman coming off a season where he was Ohio State's leading tackler, and he's just a good football player, and once you want a guy like that, and we were like in round two or three or four with that guy, and then he came out, and it's not like he had a bad year, but then it was like, well, what is going to make you draft him? And there wasn't anything to make anybody draft him, and he didn't get drafted. Doesn't mean he's not a good football player, but it's like, what gets you over the top to be the guy that, oh, we want that guy? Is that a reasonable comparison for Tommy Eichenberg? Or do you think Tommy Eichenberg's upside and his flashes are a step above Ronnie Hickman? Yeah, it wasn't a comparison that I had in my head. And I think I do almost think of them differently because, uh, you know, Hickman had a very good year in 2021, but leading them in tackles was more about being the guy at the back who's kind of cleaning things up and on, on a defense that wasn't very good. You were like, it was a product of, of what was left there by what wasn't happening at the front of that defense. And I think of Eichenberg as someone who uh, had the year he did last year because he was being used as a weapon that attacked in that defense. And yes, there were some, some things up front that were, you know, helping him. He gave a lot of credit to, to Ron Vincent and other guys for, you know, taking up space and, and, and leaving him tackles to get, but those, I mean, Teron Vincent's not, you know, he got a, he's got a minicamp tryout, but he's, he's not a drafted guy. Like, I think I, I became more of a believer last year, over the course of last year, in what Tommy Eichenberg is, what he could be. Third round is actually probably his ceiling, because I think you're right. And man, the Lions really just, wreck the curve on some of these conversations. I think the Lions had a really bad draft. I think they had a really bad first round. Um, I, I don't understand what they were doing really with either of those picks. And I thought Campbell that high was a stretch, even though I, I also like Campbell. But I, I also saw like, you know, you, you see guys like this get picked. And it's I guess it depends on how much, how much of a vast difference do you see in the NFL conversion between Pete Werner and uh, Tommy Eichenberg or, or Malik Harrison and Tommy Eichenberg. And if you say you think that there is a significant difference between those guys, I, I hear that. 
Um, and I think they're probably, to some extent, there might be athletically. And we're talking about guys who played three different positions, really, because even though Warner played Will for Ohio State that last year, he was really more of an outside linebacker, and and Harrison's more of an inside linebacker, and then you've got Eichenberg as, as a true Mike. So this could be a thing where you'd have to find a, 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 a team also that, that kind of falls in love with his specific traits and some of the intangibles that are here, too. You know, I've I've said this before. It's like, ah, oh, Tommy Eichenberg, is he tough Borland? It's like, well, what if he's James Laurinaitis? And James Laurinaitis was a second round pick, and I thought should have been a first round pick, right? So, okay, is Tommy Eichenberg going to be a three time All American? No. But by the time the NFL draft comes around, is that the kind of conversation that you could be having? You think about Pete Werner, second round pick, Malik Harrison, third round pick, Baron Browning, third round pick, Jerome Baker, third round pick, all different styles of linebackers. But I think probably Tommy Eichenberg last season was probably more productive than any of those guys were at Ohio State. Now, Pete Warner was pretty darn productive. but And that part of that was scheme and coaching and like all the things I've blamed on the linebackers coaches for the last couple of years. But I don't know, right? I mean, if we're having a conversation about, well, Pete Warner, Jerome Baker, Baron Browning, Malik Harrison, like Tommy Eichenberg's not in that conversation? That's second, third, third, third. Why would Tommy Eichenberg not be in that conversation? Which is why you have him in that conversation. As a third-round pick, I have him with the fifth-round pick, and that – that very, very well may be vastly underestimating Tommy Eichenberg when we come back a year from now and he's the 41st pick in the draft. It's like, oh, what do people think Tommy Eichenberg is going to be? It's like, I don't know, a starting linebacker for 10 years? Oh, okay. They actually would take that. That's pretty valuable. So I could be off on this. I could be underestimating Tommy Eichenberg. Cade Stover, tight end. I'm going to go to what the Texters had. Round three. Also one for Cade Stover. Not quite as overwhelmingly as it won for Tommy Eichenberg, but a similar measure. Cade Stover, round three, 32%. Round four, 25%. Round two, 19%. So that's 60, 75, 75% in rounds two, three, or four for Cade Stover. That's pretty darn good. And there's 2% of the people who think Cade Stover could go in round one, Nathan, that's a little hot, right? We got some Farmer Gronk stuff. People hot. were super hot. People were super hot on Cade Stover, like around week nine or so. And and people enjoy getting hot about draft stuff in the middle of the year. And that's fine and good. The draft is fun. When you think about tight ends in this last draft, okay, is he Michael Mayer, who was pick 35 in the second round? Is he Dalton Kincaid, who was in the only first round tight end at pick 25? Probably not. Is he Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan? who went in round two at pick 58? Yeah, I think he could be that. Is he Brenton Strange from Penn State, who went in round two at pick 61? Yeah, I, I think he can be that. I have Cade Stover in round three because we've seen Ohio State tight ends go in round three. Nick Bennett, Jeff Hireman, right? It's kind of what they do. But I think he probably could get into the second round if he has a great year and is like, this guy is a great blocker and has better hands than you think and is a really good athlete. I don't know. Nathan, where'd you have him? So I only have him in the fourth round, but I, I agree with largely what you're saying. When I compared him, though, to guys who in this draft were going like Kincaid, Meyer, Sam Laporta, I see a gap between what I think of them as NFL prospects and where I see Cade Stover right now. Um, I, But I think that, again, a guy who made this conversion a little bit later in life, that it's, I'm totally open to another year of improvement from him and someone who could maybe all those guys too get showcased within their offenses. Like, you know, Dalton Kincaid was kind of 
the guy in that Utah offense at the time. Michael Mayer, certainly at, at at Notre Dame, we came into that game saying, that's like the one guy Ohio State has to find a way to stop is Michael Mayer. That changes the whole game if you can find a way to neutralize him. And as useful and important as we see Kate Stover being, nobody talks about him the same way. And so then the conversation becomes, well, if you took him out of Ohio State and put him in another offense, would you then talk about him that way? And I can't quite get there yet. Maybe I'll be persuaded by what we see from him in this coming year. The last four Ohio State tight ends drafted, Jeff Hireman, Nick Vanette, Jeremy Ruckert, all in the third round, Luke Farrell, first pick of the fifth round. So I, I don't know why Cade Stover wouldn't be in that range, and we have him in that range. Round three, round four is in that range. But could he even like be the highest drafted tight end of that group? I, th- I certainly think that's on the table for him. All right, Julian Fleming, I actually think, is a pretty interesting case here, Nathan, because this is a guy who was the highest receiver recruit in his draft class. He has had some injury issues. When Steven said, hey, I have another first round guy, it's why I guess Julian Fleming, that if you, if he has some kind of version of what Jamison Williams had at Alabama, it's like, what if Julian Fleming has a Jamison Williams year? He just didn't have to transfer to do it. He just has it within this offense, right? Like, what could that mean? There's a skill set that exists there. There's also an opportunity. And and for some of these, I, I did not ask for Stover or Eichenberg. I don't even know. Like, the COVID year stuff, I guess, could they maybe stay? I don't, I don't know. But I think they're not going to be here in 2024. Julian Fleming, the idea that Julian Fleming stays for one more year, and he is a year younger than Stover and Eichenberg in their class, right? That he stays one more year once Marv and Emeka are gone for Julian Fleming to be like the number one receiver in 2024. You know, with Brandon Ennis and 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 all these young guys that are coming, Jaden Ballard and all right, there's other guys there. But would he have that opportunity? 12%, Nathan, I did give that option. Well, he stays at Ohio State for 2024. 12% said that but I did put him in the draft. What did you give Julian Fleming a a, a round or did you have him coming back? So this was one of the hardest guys to peck down. I did have him in the draft, but then even trying to figure out where you think he would fall is tough because I, you know, the NFL teams have, have receivers are a commodity and they will go get him. But I, I just envision his medicals being a topic of conversation to, to say the least, you know, this past year was kind of um, discussed as being like his first healthy year, but he missed the season opener and had to have surgery right after the season. So it wasn't even like a great version of a healthy year. And now that surgery, the whole point of it is that now that thing is fixed and now he can fully perform. Like Brian Hartline is still talking about him like that and has always talked about him. Like you guys don't even know, like when you finally see him healthy, you're, it's going to look like something completely different. He still kind of talks like that. So I'm open to him doing what you're talking about and sort of blowing the roof off the place. As it stands right now, I think he comes out because it's just time. It'll be have been four full years at that point, and I have him as a fifth-round pick. There are guys I think you can try to compare him to. Donovan Peoples-Jones 
at Michigan, who I don't know how the injury stuff, but just like never fully developed at Michigan after being a five-star recruit is a sixth round pick by the Browns. And that has outperformed his draft round. That has been like a starting player for the Browns. The Browns just took another guy like this, Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, who was hurt much of this past year, but played a bunch the year before. But he only had one season in his five-year career at Tennessee where he played more than 400 snaps. He's a third-round pick, but the Browns are thinking big things for him. And he missed like the whole middle of the season for Tennessee. So he's a guy who, you know, doesn't have a ton of film, but was in college for a long time. But when he was good, he was really good. And so sometimes one good year can be enough. Now, you know, Cedric Tillman was part of that. And that's I think that is a good comparison because he was there with Jalen Hyatt and some of the other guys at Tennessee. It was a high-flying offense. It wasn't just one guy. No matter what Julian Fleming does, he's not going to be the best receiver on this team. But you can still be a high pick, right? So I think like this idea and then go to the league and get healthy and show people what you can do. You know, go be a fifth-round pick who then is a starter in year two in the NFL. That might be his path. That might be his path. It also might be his path to be Ohio State's third leading receiver this year, statistically, but also be awesome. Okay, then. Now people are like, hey, we're going to take Julian Fleming at pick 48 in the second round. We think this guy can start in the NFL right now. He just happened to be on the same team with you know, pick three and pick 17. Yeah. So we'll take him here and, and feel great about the value. So I have him in round four. You have him in round five. The Texters... Round three was the winner at 24%, then round four at 20%, then round six, then round five, then round two, then stay. So again, this is so jumbled on Julian Fleming. 24% round three, 20% round four, 13% round six, and then 12% each for round two, round five, and stay. So think about the gap of that. Yeah, 12% each for round two, which is like, holy moly. Maybe you're a borderline All-American. Round five, eh, it, you're good, but, you know, or you you stay. So, like, there's so many. I think this guy might have the most number of paths that he could be walking down this year. Like, a year from now, it's like, what are the possibilities? I, there might be 10 things that j- could happen with Julian Flynn. Because you know what else could happen? He has a good year, decides not to go. Like, the whole room is coming behind him, and he transfers. Right. I'm not putting like, listen, Brian Hartline loves this guy, but you know, like that's not impossible. I'm going to go be, do a one year Jordan Addison thing. I'm going to go do a one year thing, be the number one guy, no doubt about it, try to have a hundred catches and see what happens. Or I stay and be the number one guy for Ohio State, or I go to the league coming off a huge year. I go to the league coming off a good but not great year. You know, I have more injury issues again that affect me. There's a multitude of things that could happen with Julian Fleming will be fascinating to see. Lathan Ransom. What'd you have for Lathan Ransom, Nathan? Another one that I I've, I struggled with. I settled on fourth round for Lathan Ransom. Some of this depends on what the depth of the safety position will be in a given draft, and I can't I don't know that yet. Um, in general, it's I don't consider it like a highly drafted position. I think there was one safety in the first round this year. You had really good safeties, I thought, that were falling into the the second and third rounds and farther. Um, but the thing I will say is. I know he had his up and down moments last season, but there's a playmaker here. Like he has put that on the field. Sometimes it's on special teams, um, but there's a reason why they look at guys who flash on special teams when they're young as guys who can then do it positionally when they're later in their career. 
And so I'm completely open to him having kind of an eye-opening year uh, this coming year that he can take the um, setbacks that happened last season and what he did demonstrate on the field at times last year and a fully healthy offseason. That's the other thing. Like he, he played pretty well at times for a guy who did, had all the adversity he had last year. So I, I, I'm saying fourth round because he's a safety, because I also don't know what the breadth of his positional versatility is in the NFL. Like which pos- can he play all the safety positions? Is he going to get pigeonholed into one thing? I don't know. Um, which which would limit your draft stock potentially unless you're just phenomenal at that one thing. But I it's fourth round, but I'm I acknowledge that I think there's some upside there. And or or to the point he could have a phenomenal year, like a year that really opens people's eyes and does really important things for Ohio State that only results in being a fourth round guy on draft day. So eighty percent of the vote for Lathan Ransom has him in rounds three through six. Three through six. 21% round three, 21% round four, 20% round five, 16% round six. So that's like a mid-round guy. Nobody's really thinking undrafted. Nobody's really thinking round one or two. I am in round three, which maybe is a little hot. But again, I think the playmaker part of it. Like Sometimes mm-hmm. like, do you want to be more consistent or do you want to be a little more boomer bust? But man, when you do something, it's like, man, that guy delivered a hit. Man, that, man, that guy forced a fumble. Man, that guy closed ground that made a play on the ball. Like I do, we've, we've seen enough of Lathan Ransom. I think you make a good point with that. All right, let's do Mayan Williams, who again, somebody building last year said Mayan Williams is a draftable guy. Round five is the winner from the tech subscribers. 24% say round five, 22% say round four, 19% round six, 18% round three. So that again is like 60, like 85% of the people are saying that Mayan Williams will be taken in rounds three through six. I had him round six, Nathan. Where do you have him? I have him in round seven. It is really tough to handicap running backs in the draft, I think. And I went back and looked at last year's, this is an example of it. This is last year's PFF overall offensive score for running backs. Number one was Blake Corum, and he's still in school. Number two, Bijan Robinson was a first round pick. Number three, Dwayne McBride from UAB, seventh round. Uh, number six, I'm skipping the guys who are still in school. Uh, number six, Zach Charbonnet, UCLA. He went in the second round. Number eight, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, sixth round. Eric Gray, Oklahoma, was ninth. He was a fifth-round supplemental pick. Uh, Ty J. Spears, 10th from Tulane, went in the third round. Moe Ibrahim from Minnesota, 12th round, and or 12th uh, was 12th in that ranking. And somebody that we had a lot of respect for, a lot of respect for him throughout the Big Ten, undrafted free agent didn't get picked at all so like where does Mayan Williams fit in there and when you start looking at maybe some of the 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 he's not big uh which also I think could be a factor for him uh lower the draft ceiling a little bit so especially because you had you know you you've mentioned that before someone who said oh this guy's this guy's gonna get drafted that I thought was why I eventually slid him into the seventh round. I think sixth, seventh round is what my expectation would be just because we've seen really productive running backs at the college level slide all the way down there for the reasons we were talking about before with Trevor Henderson. And this is another position where it seems like the exceptional traits are really important, maybe even more important in some ways at running back than quarterback because people don't, NFL teams aren't as desperate for running backs as they are for, aren't as desperate Yes, aren't as desperate for running backs as they are for quarterbacks. So 5'9", 225 is what he's listed at in Ohio, as Ohio State's roster. 5'9", is, is not very tall for a running right. back. 
The two twenty five guy that I'll, all right. That's pretty good. The guy that I'll make a comparison to is Roshan Johnson, who was Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas last yeah. year, and who was a guy that a lot of people in the draft really liked. He measured in at the combine at six feet two nineteen, and maybe not a huge burst. But you look at I'm reading the NFL.com draft breakdown of him. Creates yardage with broken tackles. Running style is highly determined and very physical. Model of consistency. Couldn't you see somebody analyzing Mayan Williams in that kind of way as like a broken tackle guy who will get you tough yards inside? Maybe doesn't have a huge burst. Anyway, Roshan Johnson, fourth round pick by the Bears and a pick that a lot of people really like, Nathan. That's a little high. I think like, I think Roshan Johnson is probably a step above Mayan Williams, but I, I'm trying to find like, hey, you're not a starter. You're a certain style of back, but the NFL likes it enough to pick you. Yeah, three inches is a pretty big differential when you're when you're comparing physically. And I would also say Mayan has to, I think, uh, put together a year of health too. Again, that's not a it's not a slam on a guy that thing that's out of their control a lot of times. But it's he seems to get bumped up a, a decent amount. So can he show durability for a year and help that draft stock as well? Okay, so those are the guys that I asked the texters about, Nathan. So there were eight guys that I said, will they be a first-round pick or not? And then there were another six that I said, pick the round on these guys, okay? So if all those guys would be picked, that's 14. And again, what we're talking about here is an Ohio State record in the modern seven-round draft that is 12. The overall Ohio State record is 13 back when they drafted more rounds. The NFL record is 15. So, okay. We asked about 14 guys. Here are guys that I did not ask about, Nathan, that would be eligible to be drafted a year from now. Matt Jones, who's back as a second-year starter and sixth-year player on the offensive line. Josh Proctor, who is back as a sixth-year safety. Steel Chambers, who's going to be a starting linebacker for like two and a half years at Ohio State. Cam Martinez, who looks like he's going to be the starter at safety. Jihad Carter, who's coming in from Syracuse. And if not Cam Martinez, he might be the starter at safety. Tyleek Williams as a defensive tackle. If Mike Hall can do it, could Tyleek Williams make that jump as well? Jordan Hancock, who we said, Marshawn Lattimore plan, hasn't done much his first two years, gets healthy, boom, there he goes. And then that's not even everybody. That's not every single guy. That's not Ty Hamilton. That's not Josh Fryer. That's not... You know, there's like, that's not Cody Simon. I mean, I can't just name everyone. Well, there's, there's 63 draft eligible guys. But there's just a big mess of dudes, Nathan. There really, truly are. So when I got to my number of 14, of the 14 guys that we asked about, I had 12 of them getting drafted. I have Jack Sawyer and Kyle McCord staying in school. So then the other two guys, so then that's 12. So then I have Matt Jones as 13, as getting drafted. I have Matt Jones in the sixth round with Mayan Williams. And then I left room for another guy. So I didn't name him. Maybe it's a Jordan Hancock pop and go. Maybe it's Steel Chambers. Maybe it's Cam Martinez. I I don't know exactly, but that's how I got to 14. And in the end, my list is this. First round, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, JT Tuimolowau. Second round, Donovan Jackson and Denzel Burke. Third round, Trevion Henderson, Mike Hall, Cade Stover, and Lathan Ransom. 
Fourth round, Julian Fleming. Fifth round, Tommy Eichenberg. Sixth round, Mayan Williams and Matt Jones. And then one other guy. That group of other guys, Nathan, that we didn't talk about specifically. Who did you really think about is like, I think I'm counting this guy in my draft mix. So I had a very similar setup to you because I had the 12 and then the two that uh, Sawyer and McCord saying that they wouldn't be in it. Um, I had also had Matt Jones as a six round guy, former top hundred prospect, dual position of ability there that you were talking about before. Unlike Luke Whipler, he's a guy that people think could probably both guard and center. Um, and then uh, because, you know, the Lord hates a coward, I did name my 14th guy. And that is Steel Chambers. I had him going in the seventh round just because of um, some athletic upside there and a guy who I think his best football is still in front of him just because another guy who made that switch mid-career. So um, assuming this this foot thing is temporary for him and he plays a full year, the, you know, he could show even better things as a senior. I do think Jordan Hancock is probably the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Julian Fleming is super interesting, as we said. And then just like Jordan, the Jordan Hancock of – is anybody, are you really going to name it now for a guy who's barely played? Are you going to name it based on, he was a top hundred recruit. They said awesome stuff about him last August before he got hurt. But is that enough to go on? Like uh, you and I aren't going there, but it's not hard to envision how it would happen that way. No, Hancock was one that I considered, but because of those things before I, I, it just made more sense for me that he would come back and 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 be able to do it back to back, especially because the second year was all injury. It wasn't like he just couldn't quite crack through a tough cornerback room. He was in a quarterback room where they desperately wanted him and he couldn't get on the field. So putting a year between himself and that um, and then coming back again, I think could be big. But Sawyer is still really I was really close to putting Sawyer on my list because unlike it's it, it's it's easy to make a comparison to like Zach Harrison who had who took the full four years and say you know local guy very highly ranked and it just took that long he needed to to, to finish out the career the difference with Sawyer is Harrison didn't really have the edge rush skill set the bend and everything and I think Sawyer might and if Sawyer comes out and has a big sack year uh, that might both you know prove that he's ready to go but also in his mind in the people the, the advice he gets push him to to come out now because you you put up one of those big numbers Jordan Hancock has played a hundred and thirty four defensive snaps in his Ohio State career in two years by if PFF's right Marshawn Lattimore had played 80 in his first two years at Ohio State before in year three he became an All-American and a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. And then in his first year in the league was the defensive rookie of the year. So like, we know what it looks like, but it's, it's a, it's hard to do. So in the end, Nathan, you and I brushed on this when we did it after the combine of like, Hey, Ohio state might have the most combine invites, but now we're zeroing in on this. This is a really interesting thing because in the end, six draft picks for Ohio state, they had six draft picks each of the last two years. Not great. And I covered this a little bit on on the one thing, like the the intro I did wrapping up the draft. Again, like one defensive guy drafted each of the last two years is not good. And so now when we're thinking about this now, we are thinking about, let's see, I, I at least have one, two, three, four, five, probably six, five or six defensive guys 
drafted, right? So, okay, maybe they just were playing a bunch of young talent that waited. This was a top-heavy draft for Ohio State in 2023 to have three of the top 20 picks and then only three more picks the entire rest of the draft. Marv's going to be Marv. I don't know that they'll have three of the top 20, although they might. So I think we're pulling back on the, hey, some guy did a draft with eight Ohio State first-round picks. But the total, the quantity of this, I don't think we're pulling back on. I think this might be. We have this all as a record setting, at least for Ohio State. We are predicting that Ohio State will have more players drafted in 2024 than they've ever had drafted, ever before. And they are knocking on the all-time record. But it is a lot of guys, as you said, you're talking about like Saturday, rounds four, five, six, seven. But that means they're good football players. Maybe they're not all Americans, but those guys can help you win a national championship. So there is something to be taken away from this, that there is a depth of talent on both sides of the ball. That Ohio State in 2023 should be putting on the field a lot of dudes every snap of every game that the NFL is going to pick next April. And that's not nothing. Yeah, I mean, as always, like these conversations are really the most valuable because of what it tells us about the next team. And I think if we're wrong about how many defensive players and how many are in the high rounds of this draft, then it is going to explain what happened to Ohio State during this season. I I think it needs that defensive push finally to arrive. You've got to buy this first-year quarterback a little bit more leeway. Didn't happen for C.J. Stroud in 2021. It absolutely happened for Justin Fields in 2019. They need to give Kamakord or Devin Brown that advantage, I think, as first-year quarterbacks. And it's just time for – like they. there's also a, mo- a momentum here for the program that has to resume, where you start to produce stars on defense again. I mean, to have two defensive draft picks in two years – neither above the third round is is not something you can really hang your hat on as it, it's it's almost in the Ohio State sphere it's something to feel a little bit of shame about frankly to like you produce two like you can't get any defensive backs in the NFL draft two years in a row that that alone is like that it's a departure from what the um the foundation of this program has been during the playoff era for sure and and even before that so and you've got to start correcting it. And the NFL draft can be a in, – in individual decisions, it can be a, a fickle arbiter of how good you've done developing talent. But over a wide number of years or even an entire draft, I think it does tell you things. And right now, the NFL is telling Ohio State, you're not producing enough NFL defensive players. And in some ways, the results have said that too. All right. For as much as we did talk about, that's why we didn't try to squeeze in. Also, could Marvin Harrison Jr. be the best receiver draft prospect in the history of the NFL? That's what we're going to do on Thursday. So come back. We will dig in. We got numbers. We got comparisons. We will dig in on that. For now, for Nathan Baird and for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.